What's shaking, cats and kittens? Thank you for supporting my podcast and my sustaining partners. I want to tell you about one of them right now, Charmington Holistics. Do you know what an apothecary is? Well, an apothecary makes and provides medicines. Charmington Holistics specializes in all natural herbal remedies and is an apothecary. So, what's ailing you? Can't sleep? Got a stomach ache? Got the blues? Well, head on over to Charmington Holistics where you can find herbal support for anything you need. A personal blended tea, herbal tonic, and supplements can offer you an alternative to that Advil bottle while an in-house herbalist listens to your needs as well. Charmington Holistics is your source for all things herbal. Head on over to 425 South Conklin Street in Highland Town or visit Charmington Holistics on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. And Charmington Holistics is open 12 to 5 on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Head on over, check them out, tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today's guest is the owner of a restaurant with an eclectic approach to comfort cuisine, featuring fresh ingredients and creative combinations with a nod to the Caribbean. That's water for chocolate. Please welcome Chef Sean Guy. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I I'm doing fantastic. I'm actually a little hungry. So, you know, talking to you doesn't help actually, because I know we want to talk about food a little bit, Absolutely. but, um, but thank you for making the time. And, um, I'm, I'm glad we're able to get this, uh, get this interview, get this interview in. So I like to start off with getting those vital stats, um, you know, for the fine folks out there who are uninitiated and unfamiliar with your background and your restaurant, um, let the folks know who are you, what are you doing? What's the, what's the whole situation? Okay. So I'm executive chef owner of water for chocolate. We've been in Upper Fells Point since 2006. We're going into our 16th year. And uh, what we have to offer is, you know, comfort cuisines, food that you grew up with, with an interest in a new take on it, utilizing all fresh ingredients, no fryers, no microwaves. And we just try to put a good product out. I like that. And so... Mm-hmm. You, so you touched on like the comfort food being, being that food that you, you're just familiar with. So what are examples for like comfort food that you, that you grew up with that you may have implemented into your menu? And why do you think comfort food is so popular? Oh, okay. That's two questions. So the reason why I think it's, it's uh, so popular is like with any other artist, right? Like a musical artist, for example, you buy their music because something they're singing resonates which it takes you back to a place when you grow up or it takes you back to a relationship where something went on and you buy that music because um whatever they're saying endears you to them so it's the same thing with food it's like it's comfort because i feel that it can take like someone can walk in here and we can totally change their day with the meal that they have and the experience that we provide, you know? So um, that's what we're trying to do here. I'm trying to offer the stuff that I grew up on, the stuff that people may not be that familiar with in in a manner that's acceptable and that they're willing to pay for it, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, and that's my whole thing. That's what I'm doing on this corner, on my soapbox. That's what I'm yelling. (laughs) I'm yelling that... um, Jamaican cuisine doesn't have to be in foil and be stuck out of a window. It's like, <laughs> like Asian people don't really eat French fries and wings. That's right. not what, you know, and it's, we, we do more than just 
are we golden access? You know? So yeah. in order for me to convey that point, it's uh, we have uh, a jerk duck confit with a sage cornbread waffle and a blueberry compote. You know, oh, wow. because then they could understand. So it's the same flavor profiles. It's just, you know, it's just offered in a different manner. Yeah. So it's it's taking those familiar flavors, those things that people are know, and they're like, you know, I know what that is. Like, for instance, cornbread has to be done in a certain way or what have you. And yeah. you can maybe add this to it. You can add that to it. You can modify it in a way that elevates it, I suppose. But also it's still at its root. It's still cornbread. It's just it's done in a cornbread. certain way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like we do a, uh, a roasted corn and um, pickled jalapenos in our cornbread. It makes it a little different, you know, yeah. it makes it interesting again. Otherwise, it's just left on the plate, you know? Right. I'm a person that loves cornbread. So you can't be mentioning cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're, so from, from what I'm gathering, your, your cooking philosophy is doing these things like, well, kind of doing something that's, that's new and unique. You don't want things that are left on that plate. And in addition right. to it, you, you want to implement those fresh ingredients and those kind of fresh, good techniques. So no microwaves, not, not really frying anything. That's, is that right. fair to say? I absolutely no fries, no fries. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, absolutely no fries. Um, yeah, I just want to um, use the best technique and the freshening ingredients and just give the best meal and the best experience, but still give our guests, our clientele, an idea of who I am. You know, that's what the book is about. That's what Water for Chocolate is. It's the conveying emotion through food, 89 copyright. And um, that's what we're trying to do here. I'm actually trying to convey something more so with the, uh, the dinner prefix experience that we do the four course than the a la carte in the daytime. But with every dish that's on the menu, you know, I feel like I have something to say. Yeah. And it's, it's good to be able to just, you know, you put something in, it sounds like you really, you know, put your soul into it. And I read that, like you've been, you know, really cooking in, in the kitchen for, for half of your life. There's some real dedication yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so cooking is what, you know, I was blessed with. Cooking is what I'm good at. Um, I was never formally educated culinary, as far as culinary is concerned. Um, mm -hmm. I started in the kitchen washing dishes, watching the fry guy drop fries and press the buttons and say, oh, that's how you do that. <laughs> and then, you know, watching the grill guy, Tim steaks and the saute guy make pastas and, and you learn and you, you know, the best ability is availability and you make yourself available when they call out. And, you know, that's kind of how it works. It's uh, the kitchen is a place where uh, your effort could really determine your results, you know, mm -hmm. and it was a place where I was the guy that when I started working in the kitchen, because I didn't have the benefit of the coming out of the culinary schools, like a lot of other guys that I was working elbow to elbow with, I was the guy that if you taught me something, remember, I'm, so I worked in corporate environments for a lot of corporations, All-Star Cafe, um, Planet Hollywood, WWF, Dave and Busters. And in those places, in order for things to run, uh, as smoothly as possible, everything is done according to spec. Where the napkins go on the table, 
where the potatoes go on the plate. Everything yeah. is spec, right? So I was the guy that once you taught me a recipe, I would memorize that recipe and know it down to the last ounce. I would have the cooks in the back doing push-ups for recipes, like how many <laughs> ounces of this go. You know, I'm that guy, you know, yeah, yeah. because I knew I'm the guy that's going to work harder than all the other guys are going to work over because I know that's what they couldn't take from me. Like, regardless of what else they brought on their resume, mm -hmm. they weren't going to outwork me. And, it, you know, it, it drove me into an executive chef position eventually, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Un understood. And, and putting in that extra work to make up for whatever perceived deficit that's there. Like, you know, people run into that when it comes to being formally trained versus self-taught as a, a visual artist for sake of argument. And there's that weird classes and like, Oh, you didn't go to art school, but it's like, is that talent right there? Is this person putting yeah. in the work? And that's, that's the thing. That's the thing. So that's, that's super legit. Um, so I see shrimp and grits. I see mm -hmm. the Jamaican curry uh, cauliflower steak and other great yeah. items on your menu. So, so speak of some of those yeah. influences, obviously the fresh ingredients, obviously the Caribbean influences, but speak of those influences within your menu and your food. So there are a lot of things that we grew up with um, that, that resonates with me um, from Jamaica. Uh, so when I grew up, um, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, Jamaica isn't, uh, you know, a wealthy country. And uh, after we get, gained our independence, there were so many tariffs put on us by the British. It's like, I mean, you're well aware how the economy is doing now. It's not, right. it's not well at all. So a lot of the food I do is I try to take something that's like cassava, for example, right? Or mm -hmm. yuca in the U.S. Um, cassava is something that we ate because flour, actually flour, just cost too much. You know, we couldn't afford it. Even now, like the other day I was in Brooklyn and my aunt was setting some barrels home and I'm like, why are you shipping flour, man? Like the weight, <laughs> it's going to cost yeah. you more than the flour. But in Jamaica, that's how much it costs that it's actually cheaper for her to pay to ship 50 pounds of flour than oh, them wow. to go to the store and buy, you know? So yeah, but back to my point. So cassava is something you can grow in your, your backyard. And what we would do is we would use it instead of flour, we'd grate it down and pull, um, squeeze the milk out and it's fine like flour and then we could make anything with it the same way you would do flour. So I took the cassava on this new menu I'm writing for the fall and I paired it with a, uh, a roasted quail with blue agave and um, orange zest. And for me, it's to be able to take something that the Arawak Indians ate and they passed down to the slaves and they ate it and paired with something that's considered high end and put it on the plate. You know, mm -hmm. that's all part of it for me, you know? So yeah, we have the, um, the Jamaican curry cauliflower steak. That's a, that's a vegan option that I have on the menu that's made with coconut milk with the Jamaican curry. And, um, what else do we have? I told you about the jerk duck confit. Yeah. Um, we have a, I recently put a new appetizer on um, Kalaloo. Kalaloo is like a green between, are you familiar with that? I am not, no. Kalaloo. It's like a green between, Kalaloo for us is the, uh, the collars for the ah, U.S., right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's, so um, what I have on the menu now is like a braised Kalaloo. I braised it off in some duck fat. 
And then I just serve it with some crispy salmon belly from when we fabricate the salmon and it's a new appetizer. And just stuff like that really brings back, you know, the stuff I grow up on. So I got to pair it in a manner that is palatable. And then, and then uh, oftentimes pair it with an ingredient. So there's a perceived value to it, you know? So of course we can make a living and doing it. So yeah, that's what's going on. Understood. That's, that's great. Um, (laughs) so what are, so what are those steps? Like, I I guess maybe from a a test perspective, like those steps of when I'm going to add something to the menu, is there a a seasonal component to it in terms of having those fresh things? I would would imagine having fresh ingredients, having what's in season, obviously, but what's that process look like? And I guess part B would be, what are some of your more popular items that are on that menu currently? Sure. So, um, so as far as the menu goes, you know, I reserve the right. The, the, the menu here changes quite often. It's usually seasonal, but, uh, you know, I reserve the right. If not, I'll just get a real job and work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but this allows me to do what I really want to do and say the stuff that I really want to say. So we're going into fall. I'm dropping a new menu now. And oftentimes I kid it to an artist. You know, you go into the studio. And you write, write, and you come out with an album. So, you know, last night I was up one till three and I'm going over this new menu and and they're all my babies. You know, when something goes on, something has to come off, you know, my back, my background is, is cost, is cost centers, you know, um, um, controlling the PNL, affecting the food cost and the labor cost and bringing that money to the bottom line. That's what I did on a corporate level. So, what I need to do here when I put menu items or I can't allow my, my inventory to balloon, mm-hmm. you know, the same parameters are in charge. You know, I can't um, have one thing on the menu that only goes to one menu items. It has to be used in several different manners. That's all tricks to lowering your yeah. food costs, you know? That makes, so that makes a lot um, of sense. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way, that's the way I was taught, you know? And, um, Last night I was up and I'm just trying to figure out what's going on the menu, what's staying, what flavor profiles I'm adjusting. And that's stuff you learn every time you release a menu and, you know, you get feedback from the guests and the stuff they would rather see or stuff they don't particularly enjoy. And, you know, you just try to, you know, react accordingly. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's taken into account. It's almost like, like from a like corporate like standpoint, right. Almost like having those focus groups or yeah. How, how was yes. this? Like, what are, you, what are you taking from this? And cause you know, like sometimes people get into a spot where it's a lot of ego and it's just like, who likes this? Who likes this thing? Why you keep it on there? Or why are you, you know what I mean? Like I get it. Like people can do what they want, you know what I mean? But it's like, people don't like this one item. Take it off. <laughs> that is so true. And, well, you know, you know, Jeff's a temperamental man. <laughs> yes. And I, t- I talked to a fair nature. amount of them. It's our nature. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to a fair amount of shows. I've, I've done like, that also. <laughs> my, my girlfriend always jokes me. She was like, you have a few of your chef friends a little intimidated. I was like, what do you mean? She was like, because you know what you're talking about and you're a foodie. She was like, it's not a good look. It's like, it's real though. So yeah, I know. it's the struggle, bro. <laughs> yes. So, so obviously you, you're, you're, you're doing big things. You've been doing it for, you know, like 16, 16 years at water for chocolate and, you know, Thanks. more than two decades overall with, with yeah. your, your flow. So, so tell me about those, those like Holy grail items. Like what are those three items that's always in your home kitchen? 
Uh, that's all well, three ingredients. Uh, like, uh, okay, let me see. Um, three ingredients. Um, hmm. Uh, Cajun. Okay. C- Cajun seasoning. I use a lot of Cajun seasoning in my food. Uh, there's a lot of New Orleans influence. Uh, when I wrote the last menu, I actually wrote it in a, in New Orleans. Um, stayed in a bed and breakfast with a Haitian family, sat at her knee, learned the beignets, and you know. So there's a lot of uh, Cajun. There's a lot of Liam Perrins. Uh, okay. Of course, together those two create a flavor profile with, mm-hmm. with a little bit of fat. Um, avocado oil. Big fan of avocado oil. There's a lot of that. Uh, duck fat, always duck fat works magic, you know. We roast a lot of duck here, so you know, we use the fat for everything from roasting fingerlings to whatever, you know, it just brings great flavor. See, you, yeah. you said the magic, you said the magic place. Like, I love New Orleans, I go there for my birthday like every year. And you know, you start mentioning that, then you know, I'm gonna have to go there. I'm like, look, man, yo, yo Sean, I gotta lean on you, man. Some of these beignets. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. we had some beignets before last venue. We had some, uh, we, you know, because I gotta do my thing with it. I mean, I went there, I stood on the line. So, you know, I went there, I stood on the line, bro. It was like three blocks long, it took me 45 <laughs> minutes to get in. And then when I got in and I got the beignets, I said, okay. Uh, in order for me to do this back, I, I got to do more to it. You know what I mean? There has to yeah. be more to it, you know? So uh, what we did was we hit it with some um, blue agave, some lemon zest, and some uh, roasted pecans, and uh, it went over well, you know? But it broke the golden rule of no fried items, so it was a short state and it had to go. But it, that it's almost like you know combining with the the pecan is almost like the 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 the, the pralines with the beignets. It's almost like yeah, those two southern yeah, flavors together. Yeah. Yes, 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 and the blue got exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, it gave it a nice texture, and uh, people enjoyed it. You know, but it That's, got kind of crazy. They were kind of like trying to order it like as an amuse bouche when they first sit down and I'm like, whoa, this is out of control. <laughs> you know? Like I'm frying beignets here, you know? Yeah. So I have this, yeah. this running, I have this running bit um, for this podcast. I bought a, um, an apron that has like my logo on it, but it's like a cooking apron. I'm like, look, I just need to cook with somebody. I'm ready to do it. We ordered the beignets, man. Uh, I'm ready to go. So, now, now I want to get your take as, you know, a, a person as a consumer, right? So I know mm-hmm. that like chefs, they, they have those days, chef staff, they have those days where there's, it's an off day. You may want to check out a restaurant locally or so on. So when you go out to eat, what do you always avoid ordering on a menu? Like you just oh, know that oh, from your kitchen experience, you just know like, nah, that's not great. Or I'm going to fill up on bread or whatever. What do you avoid ordering on a menu when you go out for your meals? Chicken. I never ordered a chicken. Yeah. I never uh, ordered a chicken. Not because uh I don't feel it's a quality item. It's you know, it's just it's chicken. Like I'm I'm just not gonna go out and order chicken. I'm just <laughs> not gonna do it. You know, what I mean? I'm just not gonna do I'm not gonna go out and pay for chicken. I'm not gonna do it. I don't serve chicken here actually. I dig it. I I see what you're saying. You know? Yeah, no chicken. I, 
I'm one of those, those people, if I go out and I have something that's a little, like I can home chef it up and I like, you know, I, I, I can do a few things. And mm-hmm. when it comes around, I'm like, yo, I'm going to judge what someone did based on if I think I can do it, 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 it close to how they did it. And it's not a shot. Okay. It's more like, you know, I'm not going to go there if I'm going to like a bar and grill or some sports bar. And it's like, yeah, we have these really good quesadillas. It's like, I, I hope there's something in there I haven't had. Like, I think the last okay, time I went out okay. and got tacos, it was like cactus tacos. I was like, I don't know how to prepare a cactus. So let me try it. And it turned out to be fire. It. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Well, that's how I actually eat. Like when I go out and eat with friends and I eat out quite often because I love food. Food is just like, you know, it's life, man. It's like, <laughs> you know, like, like my eyes are tearing up. I hope this is filming. <laughs> I'm, I'm, be, I'm being serious, bro. You know, I mean, it's definitely provided me with a livelihood, but it's like, you know, I was hungry as a kid. Like I know hunger personally, you know, yeah. and for, for a while growing up, um, I, I would get that familiar burn in my stomach when I came to the U S and it still terrified, you know? So I knew I was going to work with food, but I just didn't know in what capacity, but like, if I go out on a date, I'm going to get dinner because once the food comes, you know, I'm relaxed. I could spit my game. I can't really, you know, it's, it's my comfort zone. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, yeah, I love food, man. Food, food, food is it for me. You know, it's, it's, it's like, I don't understand how people ask it. Like, how could you call something sexy? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, fuck. <laughs> you know, what do you mean? Like, you know, this. like, I could look at some place and I'm like, Oh, Oh yes. Yes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do the, um, I've been doing this recently just to kind of, I can get loose on the weekends and, you know, go out to the dates and all of that stuff. I'll do during the week, I'll do like the meal kits, but I did like a lot of research to kind of get to that place. And mm-hmm. most of the meal kits are chicken is the main protein. So I definitely get your mm-hmm. notion about like, nah, I want to eat chicken when I go out. Yeah. 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 I don't like, you know, I mean, I always try to try a different protein that I haven't tried before. That's just prepared in a different manner. And for me, it isn't a, so much about, you know, because I expect chefs to be really critical. I try not to be, but you know, mm-hmm. you go out, you already got your cut that clock in your head. It's just, mm-hmm. especially coming from a corporate background, you know what I mean? How long is the first table visit? And it, yeah. it just goes off in your head. And I, and I definitely try to hide that because I'm here to have a meal, you yeah. know, but um, I'm really like into the meal and I want to try like everything, <laughs> you know, I, 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 mean? I, I want to eat the food. <laughs> I will say one of the best things that I can hear in a restaurant is any restrictions. Because, uh, you know, like yeah. any, any dietary yeah. restrictions, because I yeah, didn't yeah. know that until recently where, because being friends with, with some of the chefs that I'm friends with, it's just stuff starts coming out of the kitchen. I'm like, yo, what I owe yeah. you for this? It's like, oh, no, nah, no, nah, yeah. I just want you to try it because I appreciate your palate. Yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly, well, well, exactly, oh, my. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We love when you eat the food, man. We love it. Like I watch what comes back on the plate and consistently. I'm like, okay, that has to go. They're not a big fan of that or, you mm-hmm. know. Like I had, I brought the dirty rice back from um, New Orleans. Yeah. So I try to make it as palatable as possible. Like I'd roast the livers with onions and garlic and Mm -hmm. deglaze it with Liam Perrins and then introduce it to the rice. So everything is fluffy and firm and 
And it was just like, you know, why is there a meeting my rice? They, they just couldn't <laughs> wrap their arms around it. And, you know, and then, and then on takeout, it would freak them out. You know, it's like, and I'm like, it's dirty rice. You order dirty rice. And then you're inquiring about what's in it, you know? So, yeah. I mean, there, there's one thing, because we're getting, as we're recording this, we're, you know, a few weeks from like those, those, those definitely those foods, food oriented holidays. And one of the things, because I'm a, I'm a non-traditionalist, I definitely put hundred, probably a hundred dollars to the side. And I go and get a bunch of crab meat. I like to do these smoked crab balls. That's like my specialty. Okay. Like oh, I get yeah? really busy and they're, they're kind of a Japanese. What do you serve it with? I, it's, it's just, it's just straight in there, just small, like almost like the hors d'oeuvres. It's usually uh, with nothing. Okay. Um, I've done like a romulade with it, but I haven't uh-huh. perfected it yet, but I don't, I don't okay. really put it out there too regularly, but it's, it's got the four cocky in it. It has that Japanese flavor. I use the Japanese mayo as a binder and, um, panko. It works really well. Like they're not there long when they get there (laughs) and I'm like, all right. So that's the thing I can really, and using the, um, I use that Traeger smoker. So Uh it just comes out and it's beautiful. It's, it's sexy. It's sexy. (laughs) So I got two more questions. One is that yeah. rapid fire question. And, but this is the one before it. Um, so okay. I see that wine again, going with the sexy thing. I see that wine yeah. and food are, are a big part of the menu. Mm-hmm. What's a good example, um, of for like maybe advice, right. When mm-hmm. you're pairing wine with food, like if someone's like, I don't know what to get with this particular entree, what wine would you recommend? So let's say if I'm going there and I'm going to get the shrimp and grits, which wine would you recommend me? What's your approach with that recommendation? Okay. So, you know, the basic thing is, you know, white with seafood and red with beef. But, mm-hmm. you know, as the years have progressed, today's consumer is a lot more educated and they could cross, they could blur those lines more effectively. Um, I try to, like, for me, it's more about taste, you know, and it's like my same approach with food. It's more about my palate than I would say my technique. Like, I could tell if it tastes right or if it's balanced. Like our new um, amuse bouche is uh, Solomon Agundi. You know that Solomon Agundi born on a Monday razor? You know that yeah. thing? Yeah. Okay, cool. So that, that's a fish pate that we make in Jamaica, right? It's made from red herring. And mm-hmm. so we're serving it as amuse bouche and, you know, it's smoked and it's spicy. And we have a Sauvignon on the block that's really crisp, has a nice uh, fruit forward finish. And it just works well again for me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's kind of how I go about the pairing. Because if it tastes good, then it works for me, you know? It, it, it just has to taste good for you. Yeah. That's, that's big. Like that's, that's the thing. Like, you know, I've done, I've done tastings, um, and make like coffee tastings and things like that. Chocolate tastings recently. And it's kind of like, trust your palate, trust what you like. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. try to overeducate what your preferences is. You, you know, your tongue, your nose, all of that stuff is telling you, you like this or not. And don't get caught into the weird class thing. Like, I don't know if this pairs, like, me and my exactly. girlfriend, all we drink is all we drink is rosé. That's just what it is, and, and you know we we, we shave Moscato. I love that. We, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Everything. It's just like, yo, babe, we're having Italian. She's like, well, where's that rosé? It's like, ah, okay, fair enough. I hope it's I chilled. Love that. We got a couple of rosés on the portfolio here. We have uh, uh, a rosé cava that we do a cocktail with with fresh berries, and we do a house made. Um, 
Um, we do a house-made uh, sorbet. We do a mango or a lemon. Just hit it with the sorbet in the glass. Put yeah. some fresh berries in there, sprig them in, and pour some of that rosé on it. She's gonna love it, man. That's a, that sounds great. She's that sounds great. It you, yeah. you, you, you feel like you're already booking me for for a trip over. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring your apron, man. Bring that apron. I, I got it. I, I have it. It's like it's like the, it's like the Batman costume. It's in my yeah, pack, my yeah. bag all the times. <laughs> so before, before we get into the, my, this is my last question. And before we, okay. we, after that, we will get into the shameless plugs and all of that stuff. But, um, mm-hmm. so these are my rapid fire questions in a way I've been working these into podcasts recently. And the way that this works okay. is I'll ask you just like a question. You don't have to give a context if you don't want to. So okay. it might be, what is the best, whatever you could just say, this is what I think the best is. And then we move on okay. to the next question, but I got to do it really quickly. Um, yeah, but basically okay. no context necessarily. Um, all okay. right. All right. I'm Best ready. dessert. Best dessert. Apple pie. Okay. That's, that's, that's true. Uh, what would your last meal be? If you could plan out that last meal and I know it's a little morbid, what would your last meal be? It, I know exactly what it would be. It would be sardines with water crackers and an avocado, perfectly ripe avocado. That is, that's an interesting combo right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it works for me. <laughs> I mean, we used to eat a fair amount of sardines with the the, the can of sardines with the uh, mustard in there with the water crackers. Uh, what? What? Yes, oh, hot sauce. Man. Yeah. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> yeah. So, what is your go-to meal when you don't have a lot of time? Like, you got ten minutes, you got to make something. What is that go-to meal for you when you're low on time? Um. So right now it's duck. I eat a lot of duck, man. I eat duck almost every day. It's probably. Uh, my favorite protein right now um, that changes all the time. But for, I say for like the last 90 days, I've just been eating a lot of duck. We always have a lot on hand and it's uh, once it's already prepared, it's easy for me to just appear with something and go. So there's a lot of coffee in my life. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I eat it for right. breakfast with eggs. I eat it for dinner. It's just, it's, it's, it's hard for me to eat the same meal two days yeah. in a row. So it's, hard for me to eat like leftovers i try to make just enough and then that's it but duck man i eat it every day <laughs> i'm on the same page with you when it comes to that. i don't really like leftovers like it has to yeah. be something insane like i don't know how to make biscuits right so someone right. pulls out like a nice buttermilk biscuit like the uh the black sauce stuff it's like look yeah. i'm gonna eat six of those oh, word yeah exactly <laughs> um <laughs> now this is fire. gonna be now, these are the controversial questions. I did my research. You know, I okay. talked to my, my yardy friends, my, my friends on these. Okay, this one. okay, okay. Uh, plantains or cocoa bread? Uh, cocoa bread. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's one point. Now, this is the, the tough one. I've only had one of these. So I can't really speak on, on it too heavy. Oxtail or curry goat? Oxtail. Okay, now I need to have oxtail. I've never had Which, oxtail. You never had oxtail? Never had oxtail. I'm putting an ox sale on the menu this morning. I mean, uh, this menu yeah. where it's going to be, uh, I'm doing an ox sale ravioli with a red, red wine reduction. So that the meat that's will actually amazing. be in the ox sale. Yes. Super labor intensive. So it hasn't actually come to fruition yet, but yeah. it's supposed to be on this menu. And that's, I think it would just wrong. be an awesome way to present something that's, you know, often yeah. taken for granted. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, like I'm on the same page. Like if I had the choice between the plantains or the cocoa, always cocoa bread, 
Yeah, um, Bad is good times, man. Good times. Yeah, absolutely. I judge a place like there's a few like kind of Jamaican spots that pop up in and around Baltimore. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. That's Cocoa Bread. That's the first yeah, thing I ask. Yeah, 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 yeah. Party, yeah. You know I'm Cocoa Bread. What's that about, man? <laughs> um, so that's all the questions that i had and i want to thank you again for coming onto the podcast and in that i'd like to offer you the opportunity to plug <laughs> plug plug away where can he find you on social media your website and to visit your restaurant awesome thank you for the opportunity first of all um i know i can be difficult at times but i, I work a lot of hours every day bro um we're at 1841 east lumber Lombard, we're in Upper Fells Point, uh, Waterford Chocolate, Cross Street is Wolf Street. You can find us and our cuisine at um, waterfordchocolate.com. Um, if you want, if you'd like to eat here, we're reservation only. Reservations are found at opentable.com. Um, if you're interested in dinner for any special occasion, this is a great place to come. We offer a four course meal. Um, that the menu changes uh, all the time and we accommodate dietary restrictions per course and uh, yeah, order for chocolate. So there you have it. I want to thank you again, Chef. Uh, this has been fantastic. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So for Chef Sean Guy from Water for Chocolate, I am Rob Lee saying that there is food in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it. <laughs>